Amen. Amos chapter 5. We are not going to get through with the chapter tonight, and that's okay. We're going to do 15 verses. <clears throat> Amos chapter 5, starting in verse 1. We have been in the middle of a most epic message. A message of condemnation, like Brother Josh started this off. But tonight we get to the verse of redemption. The verse of reconciliation. The verse in the midst of, hey, in your sinfulness you're going to Babylon. Oh, and also if you seek after me, you'll find me. Amen. Chapter 5, verse 1. Hear this word which I take up for you as a dirge, O house of Israel. She has fallen. She will not rise again. The virgin Israel, she lies neglected in her land. There is none to rise her, or raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city which goes forth a thousand strong will have a hundred left. And the one which goes forth a hundred strong will have ten left in the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live, but do not resort to Bethel, and do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into captivity, and Bethel will come to trouble. Seek the Lord that you may live, or he will break forth like a fire, O house of Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it before Bethel. For those who turn justice into wormwood and cast righteousness down to the earth, he who made the Pelades and Orion and changes deep darkness into morning, who also darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. It is he who flashes forth with destruction upon the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reprove in the gate, and they abhor him who speak with integrity. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and exact a tribute of grain from them, though you have built houses of well-hewn stone, yet you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions. Listen to verse 12. I know your transgressions are many and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor at the gate. Therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps silent, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. And listen to the end of verse 15. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Lord, as we come to you this night, we thank you for your word, though, in this warning, O oh God. Help us, Lord, to see that we merely seek you and we live. Lord, help us to understand that even in this day that we live, 
that it is still our obligation, it is still our responsibility to seek you, Lord, so that we may live. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, oh God. Lord, we thank you for this. Amen. Thank you all for standing. We've been since chapter 3 in this great message of Amos to the northern kingdom. And, and if you've been following along, if you can remember the, the first message, this is, this is the third message as you will, it was the sin of irresponsibility. They were condemned by God because they have not been responsible with what God had given them. And then the next condemnation comes and it's the sin of idolatry. Because you were not responsible with what God has given you, you have fallen into idolatry and you've even taken these idols. It's a golden calf, just like it was in Exodus. You've placed it in Bethel. You've placed them in Gilgal. You've placed them around the land. But you went one step further and you've called that golden calf the Lord. The same God that brought you out of Egypt, you now call claim to a golden calf. And now we have yet another message, the sin of moral and ethical decay. And that is the state that we find ourselves in today, is it not? In the land that we live, we have been irresponsible with the commandments that God has given us. Idols have been lifted up out of that because of the irresponsibility. And now we find ourselves in the midst of moral and ethical decay where good is now evil and evil is now good, exactly like the Bible tells us, is it not? You don't have to look very far out past these four walls to see the state of the world. The world is evil. And here we are, the church. And there is a remnant that's going to be saved out of this northern kingdom. That's, that's our message for tonight. God says judgment is coming. He starts off saying, hear the word which I take up for you as a dirge, a, a funeral song. There's no coming back from this. Babylon is coming. Consequences for your sins, actions, they are happening. But it's almost as if you can hear God himself say, fear not. Seek me and you'll live. Even in the midst of judgment, there's still the call. There's still the beckoning. There's still the seeking. Amen. We can apply this to our life. In the midst of my sinfulness, God found me. He sought me. He saved me. I, I I remember sitting in that youth service and I didn't want to be saved. I'm 100% honest with you. I didn't go to church going, tonight's the night. Tonight, I look, something on the inside of me is telling me, woo, as I'm putting my pants on, it's almost like I'm doing a jig. Like, well, I'm going to be a child of the king tonight. No, I went because my mama and daddy made me. I went because if I didn't go, I was going to have to answer to my parents. And I remember sitting in that service and going, yeah, there's that song. You know, it was a bunch of different churches. It was a youth service. And, and, and I could almost tell you what song that church was going to get up and sing because they done sang it the last four months in a row, right? <laughs> they sing it good, and that's, that's, their, that's their song, right? And, and, and I'm going through. I'm cutting jokes with the people around me, you know. I'm being me. 
And then this one-armed guy gets up. He had two arms, but one was paralyzed. He played the bass. He played the bass with the left hand, and this arm was stuck in his pocket. And he would get excited as, it, as he preached, and that arm would fling out every once in a while. And he'd have to put his mic down, put it, put it back in, and he'd go back to preaching. He's paralyzing this arm. And I remember him because I was making fun of him. That's, can I be honest with y'all? I was picking at the man of God because he's paralyzed. I, I, didn't, I didn't care to be saved, Brother Nicky. I was far from God. I was just waiting for the amen so I could get out of there. But something began to happen as that man preached. Something began to change in me. Something began to break. I was being sought after. Oh, I had felt the feeling before, but I was able to shake it. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you get the, ooh, you get the Holy Ghost jigger jagger, and you're like, uh, whoo. Well, that skipped right over me, and that hit the person behind me. I felt it. You know, I was able to shake it, but something was different that night. I couldn't shake it. And I remember looking at the door and looking back at the preacher. And looking at the door and looking back at the preacher, and I, something came to my mind. I'll get up and go to the bathroom. I'll go to the bathroom. But it's as if I went to get up, Brother Nicky, and my legs didn't work. (laughs) I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. But I couldn't move. I was fixed. I was being sought after. In the midst of my sinfulness, I left changed because I was sought after. See, what I... What I anticipated was it was just going to be another service. You know, it was it was one more step before the bonfire, right? It was it was a Friday night, and I just had to spend a few hours with the Lord, and I could I could go and do my own thing. God had different plans for me. See, He had different plans for Israel too, but Israel had failed Him. Israel had sinned. Israel continued to sin, but even in the midst of that. He sends a man by the name of Amos to preach. And it wasn't merely to give them the most horrible news they would have ever have heard. I mean, listen to verse number one and, and two. Hear the word which I take up for you as a dirge, O house of Israel. She has fallen. She will not rise again. And, and that's true still to the day. 1948, Israel become a state again, but they do not own the rights to the land that God has given them. They own just a, just a portion. From the time of the Babylonian capture, Israel has been under Gentile rule. It, it, just, it just has. We see that here. God knew exactly what he was saying. Never again would you be what you are. So there's a house that has a thousand, there's going to be a hundred left, right? If that house has a hundred, there's going to be ten left. If we continue reading, because this message actually goes all the way to like chapter 6, verse 14, it says even that house that has ten, there'll be none left. Seek after God. Seek his righteousness and you'll live. This was not God saying, y'all need to listen to this. Our sin bears consequence. Our actions have weight to them. God was not saying, if you come to me, I'm going to spare you from the judgment. That's not what he was saying. 
You're, you have to live with the consequence of this. You're going to Babylon, but you'll live spiritually. There will be a remnant made. Amen. And we see that even in our own life. I've had to bear the consequences of my sin. I still deal with some of that today. Some of the decisions that I made as a youth still haunt me to this day, but I'm on the road for heaven. I've been, I've been saved. I will live eternally, but I suffer here, right? It's what God is saying to Israel. You can still turn to me. You can still be my people, even in the midst of a Babylonian capture. We can turn to Esther and, and see that they're in, they're in Babylonian capture. But yet he raises up a queen, right? He still has his hand in his people. There's still the hundred left. There's still the ten left. There's always, always, always a way out. God does not leave us empty-handed. Seek me and live. The requirements for God is, is simple, very simple. Seek me. That's all he asks. That's all he asks. You remember whenever we talked about burning bridges? Just quit it. You, you, you're living in idolatry. Stop it. You're, you're falling into moral and ethical decay. You're acting like a pagan. You're not acting like a chosen generation. Stop it. Come back to me. Seek the Lord and you will live. Now we need to understand that God is a keeper of his word. He, he didn't talk out of two sides of his mouth here. You're going to Babylon. If you seek me, you'll live. Both are true. You're going to Babylon, but if you seek me, you will live. God keeps his word. That's what we can trust in. That's what our faith is in. That's what our hope is in, is that God said, I'm okay. One of the best stories I've ever heard or analogy, it's not really a story, it's from the preacher Alistair Begg talking about the thief on the cross. And this thief is saved on the cross, right? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Christ looks over at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he dies. And he's standing at the pearly gates. Has anybody heard this? It's still good. I'm going to say it anyway. He's standing at the pearly gates and, and he says, I know this isn't biblical, but just, just go with me for a second. He's standing at the pearly gates and the head angel is like, what's your name? And he's like, thief on the cross. We don't even know his name in the Bible. And, and the angel goes, okay, well, before you get in, can you tell me what denomination you're from? Or can you tell me what your thoughts is on infant baptism or or a believer's baptism and the thief's like and no, i don't i don't know what you're talking about he's like well can you can you tell me about the atoning sacrifice of jesus christ And he's like i i don't know what you're talking about so then that angel gets frustrated and he goes and gets a gets the head angel and the head angel comes back and he's like well what makes you think you can you could come into here if you don't understand what baptism is if you if you can't quote a scripture if if you haven't been a member of a church like what makes you believe you could come in? And he says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. He sought after the Lord in his few moments left. Pastor, do you believe in deathbed confessionals? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. My word says that if there's breath, there's hope. Well, well 
Well, brother, do you think that they're going to have a shack instead of a mansion? That's not what my word says. Well, do you believe that they're going to be at the back of the line and they're not? That's not what my word says. We can merely look at the parable of the workers. Start at working at six, start at working at 12, start at working at three. Same reward. They entered in. That's, that's the God that we serve. Is it fair? No. Thank God. Thank God he's not a fair God. He's a just God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. Those men at 3 o'clock wasn't there in the beginning. Or they would have went to work. He, the Bible says, the parable says, he grabbed all that were there. What are you doing? Why are you not working? Well, nobody's hired us. Come work in my field. I, there, there was no dispute, right? Come work in my field, and the men left. Well, then he went back at 12. What are y'all doing? Why are you here? Nobody's hired us. Come work in my field, and they left. And he goes back at 3. It's the end of the day. What are y'all doing here? Nobody's hired us. We weren't here, or they would have been hired, right? He continues to beckon. He continues to come. I remember God moving on me and I was able to shake him off for a while. You know, maybe I was there at six and I resisted. But then he come back again. And he come back again. And he come back again. Until I couldn't resist him. It's as if his grace was irresistible. It's as if I didn't have a choice, Brother Nikki. That day, that night that I was saved, I didn't have a choice. Oh, I did. I looked at the door, but for some reason I couldn't make it there. All I could do was I got up to leave. Y'all need to understand, I got up to leave. When I finally could get my legs from being jelly and working, I got up to leave and I found myself at the altar. I, I can't explain it. I don't know, but I, I know that when I got up from that altar, people looked different. That's it. I don't know how many more chances I get. I, I would have had. I didn't want one more chance. That was that night. But when I got up, how do you say, well, how do you know that that wasn't just like some of the other times before? Because I had cried before. You know, I'd asked God into my heart. I'd prayed the prayer. I had done all the things. I got up for Levi and people were different. The people that I didn't care for, I loved them. The, the ones that I had been talking about before, that poor preacher with the paralyzed arm, I hugged him. Why? Because he was something special? No. He preached me the truth. He preached me the truth. This is what Amos is doing. Amos is going to be martyred. They're not going to, it doesn't end well for him as far as the world standards go. We need to seek the Lord properly. See, I had been sorry before, right? You know, I got caught with that pack I shouldn't have had or, or that thing I shouldn't have had. And, oh, my parents, they'd be disappointed in me. Scott, I can't believe you would do that. You're better than that. I'm not, though. See, that's the thing. I'm not. I'm a wretched sinner. <laughs> In a godly household, praise God. But all that did was put condemnation on top of me. That just made me a really good, sneaky person. 
I got really good at sinning. You know, I would take them long baths, but that's just so I could chew my chew. You know, I could listen to my music. I could do the things that I wanted to do. Lord, if I can just get old enough to get out of this house, I'll live. That's just me. All the while standing in church, playing music, worshiping God, saying how much I love him, singing praises to him, witnessing the people. You ought to come to church. You'll be better if you come to church. But it's the same people that I was at the bonfire with. A lot of times doing the things we shouldn't do and witnessing. You know, if you come to church with me tomorrow night or tomorrow, you know, we can get rid of all this stuff that we've done today. False, didn't work. It was false worship. I was being irresponsible with the time that God had given me, with the place that God had placed me in, in the family that I was in, under the messages that I was under, being washed by the word the whole time. And it led to idolatry in my life. I'm only, I can only speak to me. I was irresponsible, and then I started to put up idols in my own life. You know, I could play the guitar pretty good, idol. You know, I was pretty good at, at being a chameleon, idol. You know, I really like I really like this music, but my daddy don't like it. But now I like it even more because my daddy don't like it, idol. Putting all these things up in the place of God, worshiping this world instead of him. And what did that leave me with? What well, led me with moral and ethical decay? I was dishonest. I wasn't who I even said I was. I profess Christ, but I'm I'm breaking the second commandment the whole time, along with the other nine. You know, those people that I witnessed to around the bonfire knew exactly who I was. I was a preacher's kid. They knew exactly who I was, brother Nikki. They didn't care. You know why? I made no influence on them. They influenced me, almost like Proverbs says. Be careful who you stay around with. He said, seek me and you'll live, not in false worship, but in true worship, in humility, right? As we read in verses 8 through, through 13, we need to be humble. This is God saying, I hung the stars, right? I'm the one who makes day, day, and night, night. I'm the one who changes this. I'm the one who set all this stuff in motion. You need to know your place. Be humble. Seek me, the one who does all of these things, because I'm the only one that can give life. Seek me, the one who is sending. He's, he's called the Lord of hosts here, the Lord of armies. He's the one coming. Yeah, as a pagan King in Babylon, yes, but it's God. It's God. We need to seek Him in true worship, seek Him in humility. We seek the Lord in humility because He knows what we are doing. See, that's the thing I said this morning. I was scared into this, but that's true. That night, what the preacher was preaching, he told this story of a friend that he had. And that friend's name was Scott. Go figure, right? Yeah, I wasn't as smart as y'all. It took me about half of a message to understand what, that he was talking to me. This man didn't know me. I even made sure after the fact, Brother Nicky, 
Do you know me? Do you know my name? I don't know. Never met you. Well, I'm Scott. And he hugged me because the Lord had dealt with him. You know what he told me? I don't have a friend named Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all laughing. Yeah, God works. He gets you. Amen? See, I was running hard, and he wanted to let me know. He knew exactly who I was, where I was, and what I was doing. And he said, I have this friend named Scott, and his friend's running from God. And I remember going, oh, I'm sitting in a chair. I remember going, huh, sounds a lot like this guy. And he continued to speak, and that arm, he would get excited, and that arm would fall off. You know, that's what I was saying. That arm would fall out, fly out of his pocket, and he'd have to reset. And every time he would reset, it's almost like Satan was in his ear the whole time. Man, look at that. Look how funny that dude is. He don't know what he's talking about. But he'd get that arm stuffed back down in there, and he'd go back. And that friend running from God. And he gets in a vehicle one night. And he takes off going down a road that he knows real well trying to impress a friend, and he straightens out a curve, he hits a tree, and he dies. And he's been running from God. Scott knew better. Now, this is what he's saying, right? It's, it's etched in here. I'll never forget it. He says Scott was running from God, but he knew better because he grew up a preacher's kid. See, he had sat in church before. He had done all the motions. He had done all the things. And I remember sitting there going, hmm, this is about the time I'm looking for that bathroom. I'm trying to, I'm trying to move, but these feet just don't work. He said, but here's the thing. Scott doesn't have a chance anymore. But you do. Woo. That's when I wanted to cut, tail, and run. And I got up. I got up. But I went forward instead of back. God knows you. He knows you. And it doesn't start at salvation. He's known you the whole time. He knows you tonight. He knows your heart. He knows whether it's a heart of stone or if it's a heart of flesh. He knows whether or not you've been seeking Him. He knows whether or not you're going to live. He knows if you're going to die. I remember hugging that man. Ooh, and I thought I was boohooing and bawling. I mean, I'm talking snobber, uh, slobber crying. Okay, I've done hug my mama. Told her I was sorry for being the stupid person that I was. And I done went and, and hugged my dad and and told him I'm going to be better. And oh, by the way, I probably shouldn't teach Sunday school anymore. And you know, all the things I'm just confessing. I'm just just everything is falling off of me. And and then I went to that man. And he told me, I don't have a friend. The Lord had laid that on his heart three days ago. He had no idea who I was. He didn't know my name. But he, I remember him smiling at me and putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, God knows. God knows. He knows you. He's personal. He knows you. We need to seek him because he knows us. That's what... Our scripture said, said, I know the transgressions. I know your sinfulness. Seek me. See, that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of the gospel, even in this Old Testament prophet, is he says, I know you're sinful. Come to me. I'll take you. I will take you. I know you're no good. 
I'm going to make you good. I know you've been trying to clean your life up. You can't do it. Seek me. I know you've deceived yourself and said one day, you know, when I get a little older, whenever I sow my wild oats for a little bit, when I have my fun and then I'll come back to Christ, you're going to hit a tree one day. You don't know the hour or the day that is your time. God does. And he's begging, seek me while you can. Come to me while it is still day because there's a night coming. If we could get a grasp of that. The third thing, we seek the Lord because God has tallied our sins against us. Not only does he know our sins, he's been writing them down. If you don't come to him, they're still on you tonight. They're still there. But they don't have to be. That's what Amos is telling us here. That's what God is saying. He says, thus saith the Lord, you're going to die if you don't come to me. Thus saith the Lord, your transgressions is deep, but I'll wipe them clean. I'll wipe them clean. You'll come through this a new person. We seek God in humility. We seek him because he knows us. And we seek him because of his goodness. See, he is the Lord of hosts. Amos said that. But he's also the God who saves. He's also the redeemer. He's also the giver of peace. He's the dealer out of joy. See, we we need to remember as a church so we can go out and witness effectively that it is the same God that gives life as the same God that deals justice. That that is what the good news is. It's only good news because we have bad news. Bad news is you don't make it. Good news is you do with Him. Seek Him. Seek the Lord. If we seek Him in His goodness, some things start to happen. See, after salvation, after that night, didn't happen overnight. I'm still in this imperfect process of sanctification. But things started to change, Sister Debbie. You know, I still wanted to go to that bonfire, but I couldn't go. You know, I still had that, that desire, boy, I really want to be with my friends but I shouldn't go there. And I remember that inward struggle, like why in the world? I never had this feeling before. I I like it, but I don't like it. It's because God was changing me. He was starting to cause me to hate what I loved and love what I hated. See, I didn't want to go to church, but now that's where I wanted to go. I really didn't want to study for that, that Sunday school class. But now I found myself in the Word. I didn't even have the position. And I was studying as if I had something to, to say. You know, I'm sitting in, in, in church and Dad would be up there preaching and I remember writing down notes of titles of messages and stuff. I'm not called to preach. I'm not worthy of preaching. I've lived my whole life as a sinner in church. 
but he's beckoning me. He's calling me. He's saying, you've sought me, and I found you. Now it's time to work. That's how this works. Seeking good is the only way that we can maintain a relationship with God. See, I sought after him, and I'm still seeking after him. I'm still pressing on right from this morning. I'm still trying to obtain him because I'm not there yet. Oh, I have way more of him than I did when I was 17, but I don't have enough. I've never found, I've never found him to be an, enough. What, what are you saying? He's not enough. He's everything. But I haven't been filled with him enough yet. There's still, there's still too much of me. There's not enough of him. I want to be like my Lord. And man, it pains me because I'm not. When I sin, it hurts. It hurts. That didn't happen before. Oh, I was sorry that I was doing it. You know, there was something in the back of my brain saying, boy, if you get caught, you're going to be in trouble. But I really didn't care because I was doing it. That was my desire. But now, Dad didn't have to tell me, don't do that. There was, there was someone inside of me before Dad could even get to me. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Seeking the Lord is to hate evil and love good. We don't always get that one right. There's still flesh in here. But in my heart of hearts, as they say, my truest desire is to do good. I'm like Paul in that instance. Well, I want to do good, but it's a fight. It's a fight. These two things do not work together. In other words, you cannot love evil and see God. It's impossible. But you can strive for goodness and be found. These two things don't work together. You may think you, you're seeking God while loving evil. I was that guy. Well, I go to church. Good enough. You know, and when that wasn't good enough, you know, hey, I'll volunteer for this, I'll volunteer for that. You know, I thought maybe works could get me in. You go, really? Really? Works-based salvation? Yeah, deceived. I was deceived. It's so easy just to add works to an evil life. I'll just be good for a little while. I just, I'll just do good for a while. You know, instead of using this, this dollar to buy an evil thing, I'll put it in the plate and God will like it. We'll see next time we meet. He says he abhors the sacrifices that your heart ain't right. So none of it is right. It doesn't matter if you give me your last red sin. It doesn't matter if you starve yourself to death in the name of Christ. If he doesn't know you, he doesn't know you. We're in Matthew. Many in that last day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many mighty works? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do miracles? In other words, did we not do things in your name? And Christ will say, I don't know. I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. It doesn't matter what we do if the heart isn't right. If the heart isn't right. If the heart isn't right, the worship is wrong. If the worship is wrong, then everything is wrong. 
There's, there is more atheists that know more about the Bible than some Christians, and it's done nothing for them. They're still lost. Just because you read doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Study to show yourself approved. Apply it. Apply it. I read a many a math book. Still don't know how to do algebra. The only reason I passed, let me tell you how bad I was. Only reason I passed is because I had a ninth grade girl that liked me, and she would do my homework. And then I was the teacher's aide for a brand new teacher. And at the end of the last semester, I had an F and I turned it into a B because I was putting the grades in. That's that's me. That's your pastor. Okay. Her name was Paige. She was in a car accident, but she was saved. She was saved. A week after graduation. On her way to work. Fell asleep in Arkansas, fell off a bluff. Her dad was the sheriff and he found her. You'd never know. She had her whole life ahead of her. She just was working the summer because she, she had got a full ride scholarship to the University of Arkansas. Brilliant, brilliant girl. She's with her Lord now. None of it matters. But what matters is she sought the Lord. The Lord had found her. And then knuckleheads like me with a felon grade have to go on and endure the world. Seek the Lord through living a holy life. It can't be lip service. It can't be lip service. That's what these people were doing. That's why God was mad at them. And you can you can come, Brother Josh. See, the people were preaching. They were still worshiping. Do you remember last time we was here? They were still worshiping. They were just doing it falsely. They're still preaching. They're still singing. They're still sacrificing. They're still, they're still giving in alms. They're giving in tithes. They're giving in free will gifts. That means above and beyond. They're, they, man, if they were in here with us, a part of this church, we would amen and hallelujah. They're great members. Dying and going to hell. It doesn't matter what we do. It matters who we are. It matters who we are. They were claiming this truth, but not living it. They were professing God, but not possessing God. Seek the Lord in righteousness and humility. Do not seek the Lord in false worship. Religious activities is not seeking God. Listen to what I'm saying. This is, this is great, what we do here. This is needed. It's needful. It's a commandment. Fail not to assemble. But if you're here for anything other than Christ, it means nothing. It means nothing. You've gained nothing out of this except for a few lost hours. Many people slip off into eternity and hear those words, depart from me. And they've sat right there on that pew. They have a plaque with their name on it. Truly desire to know God and pursue Him 
in all that you do. That's all God was wanting. Seek me with a right heart. This pursuit will lead to desiring what is good and hating what is evil. In other words, it will have fruit applied to it. See, they had it backwards. They, they, were, they were trying to produce the fruit so that the salvation could be there. But we understand that it's through salvation that we're even grafted into the vine. I can't produce anything if I'm not grafted into the vine. I've never seen a thistle bush produce an orange. They produce thistles, right? Because that's what they're in. I want to be grafted in. Amen. Stand tonight. If you have need of prayer, we're here for you. I'll just come up to the front. Pretend there's, a, pretend there's altars. Lord, touch us this night. Lord, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the seeking that you do. Lord, I ask that you move upon us. Lord, that we hear both the warning and the plea. Lord, seek you that we may live because there is a judgment coming. Lord, I want to be a part of the remnant. Lord, I want to be a part of those that endure to the end. And it is only through you that this happens. Lord, you know the hearts of us. If there be some something, oh God, that stands between us and you, Lord, remove that thing. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm dying.